Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 16mm Film Crew Podcast. I'm Cindy. Yeah. You can watch us on YouTube. You can like our videos, leave a comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can support us on Anchor for bonus content. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Music, and Spotify at 16mm Film Crew Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at 16mm Crew Podcast and on Instagram at 16mm Crew. Okay, so we are talking about the importance of representation in film. Um, well, I've already reviewed Minari. If you want to go over on our YouTube channel and look at it, uh, there's a little video there talking about it. Um, but I'll just briefly mention it, mainly because, um, as most of you may or may not know, but um, the Asian American community has been really um, antagonized and harassed and just treated really poorly over the last year, particularly because of the pandemic and because of where this virus originated. They've been getting a lot of hate and people have died, people have been hurt, assaulted because of how, you know, how some Americans have been treating Asian Americans. And I think it's interesting that a movie like Minari is out um, right now because it's a story about a Korean family who moves to America to try to, you know, claim the American dream and the kind of bumps that they find along the way, the way they realize that sometimes they really just be your own people, like not even the Americans, they sometimes be your own community, but also like their perception of what the American dream is and how it influences their own lives and about, and, and trying to figure out that balance of like, trying to assimilate to this new country, but also trying to keep your own traditions. So it's a beautiful story. Um, Stephen Yoon, yeah, who's in The Walking Dead and also in Burning, he's in the, he does a fantastic job. He's nominated for a SAG award. Hopefully he gets nominated for an Oscar because he was so good. Um, every actor in the movie was amazing. Even the children actors, which sometimes can be hit or miss. They were perfect. And... The story is so good. Cinematography is beautiful. It's like middle America, which is something that we don't really see a lot in film. And the way it was portrayed was really beautiful. And just the story about like the story of family and community and helping each other out is, again, which was also in Miss Juneteenth, but it was also in this movie as well. And it was so beautifully done. I hope it gets nominated for Best Picture, even though it's a foreign film because most of it is in Korean. However, it's an American story. Um, Isaac Lee Chung, who wrote the movie and directed the movie, is from America, but obviously his parents are from... Are they from Korea? I think so. This is his story. This is based on his life. So, yes. And so... And it is quintessentially American in that way. And if your parents are immigrants or if you're not from here and you moved here, you kind of understand that same um, idea of like trying to gain success in this new country that seems so promising. So highly, highly recommend it. It is wonderful. <laughs> and that's like Yeah, I, I, I felt the same way when I watched like I watched Crazy Rich Agent for the first time a couple weeks ago. Um, and it's the same concept in a way, except reverse. It's more the expat kind of returning home kind of thing. And it's your expectations of your family, what you do. Um, 
and it did it kind of Minari kind of reminds me that way because it is an immigrant story in a way and I kind of feel like I connected to it because being a son, being a son of immigrants I can kind of see both both sides understand it but it, I always am concerned as far as for the most part a lot of Asian media in the US is mostly that immigrant guys in a way they don't get the opportunities like even though we get limited opportunities just to tell not necessarily black stories but human stories with black characters i feel like they still don't get those same opportunities and if they do it's not as widely distributed like the only other most recent one i could think of right now is um hey it's on netflix uh, stars Ali Wong and um, hey, I forgot the guy's name now. Oh my gosh! But it's basically I'll it's, always be my baby. Always, be, yeah. And it's basically rich Asian girl meets her old high school boyfriend. They reconnect. Like you rarely see stories like that for them. Everybody else gets that except for them, which I feel like Hollywood does a really shitty job with representation. Not just for them, but for everybody in general. No. And most, every other person. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and we talk about it a lot. Like me and you will always go back to Waves, like because it's not necessarily a. Can black I tell you that I watched Waves like ten times? <laughs> this is my favorite movie ever. Okay. Yeah, it's not. It's not a movie where race is the particular driving force behind it. Like. You could put a black, a black, white. You could put anybody in that movie in that role, and the story will still impact and fit, fit the same. I think there was a topic on Twitter the other day. Is um, what was it? Is it really a black movie if the director is white? And I feel like we get the idea of it solely being a black movie is if top to bottom it's black. I have an opinion that if it's a movie like. Once again, like waves where you can put anybody in that picture and it works. I I I can see that hey, if it's an all black class and I and I see the humanity in the story, I'm gonna count it as a black movie. Even though you could still put any other race in it, it was it was still work. You know? So that's just Yeah, me. and to that point to that point, it's interesting that you said that because if you compare a movie like Waves to a movie like Malcolm and Marie, both of which have black um, actors, but who were but that were written and directed by white men, I think it's interesting that you'll see that um, the movie Waves was written for Kelvin Harrison Jr. specifically mm. um, by Trey. By Trey, last name. And he wrote the role specifically for him. And they had deep conversations about Calvin's life. So a lot of that factored into the story. Mm. Um, and then you have a movie like Malcolm Marie, which was also written by a white person, Sam. Um, but he wrote it with Zendaya in mind. And then John David was like a second part of that situation. And yet um, all of Sam Levinson's um, issues or psychosis or whatever that was going on in his life was through John's lens, not through Zendaya's. Yeah. Um, so I think it's interesting about trying to talk about the Black experience 
I feel like you can do it, but however, you have to really incorporate the people who you're using as your actors or whoever's around you have more people of color in the writing room when they're writing these stories um, for it to be authentic. Because how are you really going to know unless you're having these conversations and then letting that kind of guide whatever you're writing in the script? I just feel like you can do it. Just make sure you're putting in the work for it to make sense for you to do it. That means Basically, you're taking like <laughs> taking a back seat to the story so the people yes. who actually yes. understand those situations, you know, help flush it out a bit more. Which that makes sense. Yeah, I can see how they fumble that in um with Malcolm Marie. I think the focus with Malcolm Marie is more more so Hey, I'm bored. We're bored. Let's just shoot something, kind of way. You know. Yes. I don't. So I don't think the expectation of it. Oh, we're actually going to focus on it being actual, perfected story where, you know, the topics we actually want to discuss, which is the core of Malcolm Marie's relationship, it was not really the focus. You know, is the writing on yeah. is like, oh, I have a I have a paper due tomorrow morning. I started. That's kind of how the writing was. I'm gonna just throw shit. Hope it sticks. Whereas, like you said, with waves, they had they reached out, they planned. Like, tell me what you would do in this situation, X, Y, and Z, and have the story flow more. And I think that's an issue. A lot of black actors, I I'll I'll just say black actors. I've only heard it from black actors because me being black, those are the names and voices I'm going to see. Got to listen to. A lot of them do speak out on the issues of Hollywood when writing these roles for black people they tend not to listen to the actor's input as much. Um, Mm -hmm. Chadwick Chadwick spoke about it a lot. Like, um, if you don't know, or if you know by now, him and Michael B. Jordan played the same character in All My Children. It's they they let Chadwick go for his refusal to play a typical white version of a black teenager. And because of his refusal and his wanting to say, I wouldn't say this in that situation when I was that age, or so on and so forth. They let him go, and then they allowed Michael to come in and play that character more towards the way Chadwick was forcing them to. But it was only because Michael got that opportunity because Chad was deemed unruly and, you know, uncooperative mm-hmm. in a way. So I think that stigma needs to be erased, too. Like, if if your character, if you're writing a character and you're specifically cast as person played a character, they're telling you, yeah, no black person is going to talk like that. No one, no black person talks like a '70s pimp anymore. One says like "jive jerky" or "jive mother." No, you have to be, you know, real authentic with your writing, or it's going to come. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's what I hope is that with more of these movies being um, celebrated and in more of the, uh, I guess, national conversation, um, people will come to understand that they're just people, like they're not, they're not inherently evil or, or weird because they're from a different country. Like they're just human beings yeah. who live here, you know, I, and you have to treat them as set. I feel like, the fact that we're in a div- very divisive, divisive space politically and just whatever, um, there is a lot more outward hatred towards these uh, minority groups, and it's, and I feel like in our celebrating Black History 
we also have to fight for every group that isn't being treated humanely. That's kind of what we gotta do as people. Like yeah. we have to help each other out. So and these movies really exemplify what it is to be kind to each other, which is why I really appreciate it, especially now. Like we I think in the midst of the Trumpness, we all forgot about kindness. And I think we need to make kindness sexy. You know what I'm saying? Like that make that let's make that great. <laughs> you know, some yeah. empathy, some understanding. That's where we need to go. So <laughs> Remember, and then hopefully more movies will be made, you know, about minority groups. So that it's not, and it's not just like a one or two movie thing that we're all talking about each year, but that it's just in the system and that we're used to seeing these different types of people in their lives on screen. And I guess, you know, moving on with that overall topic for today. So, um, being one of the few actual, you know, writer producers that of color in Hollywood, uh, Donald Glover kind of, you know, dipped out on his his F- FX deal. You know, apparently he had like a multi year eight figure overall. Uh, well, he dipped out his F- FX deal to sign with Amazon for a multi year eight figure deal, which is amazing in a way, um, and it gives him the opportunity to produce some stuff for Amazon Video. I wonder how he dipped out that, that deal, though. Did he have to like pay back? Uh, I don't. Like, cutting it I don't. I don't know because I know what the the news with it was. He is still. They are finishing Atlanta, and they start finish. They start shooting this coming March, and they're gonna shoot back to back for the uh, seasons three and four. Um, but uh, doesn't the article didn't say how the deal? You know, his FX thing went up went out. And it also mentions that his brother, who was also a rapper and a writer on the show, signed a deal with him as well. So, and I, th- I think it's good because a deal with like a streaming platform as a black creative, we've seen what Sean is able to do it on Bridgerton on um, Netflix. With him not just, with him being on Amazon Video, it gives him a bigger platform has more freeform, freeform creatively. I don't think the same restrictions that are on regular TV apply to the streaming platforms. And it gives them yeah, more liberty to test out different ideas. Because we, we know Donald Donald's kind of out there. Like him and, I think him and um, Lankeith kind of think out there. As you know, so I guess that's a good thing for him. I know people were kind of iffy on the whole him Mr. Smith thing with him and um, Waller Bridge. I'm iffy on it too. No, I love that. If you, if anyone watched that Star Wars shoot off movie, what was it called? With um, um, Solo. What's his name? Solo, right? Yeah. Their chemistry is wonderful. So I'm actually really excited to see that because they were amazing. Yeah, he's like, when he's, I think people view him only from the music or from Atlanta. But when you give him those roles where he's kind of cast to put that serious or suaveness, like solo, he can pull it off. He also did the same thing in um the the Martian with Matt Damon, where he plays the scientist. Yeah. He's very good at fitting different roles that require he's not just the comedian rapper kind of awkward black guy. And I think because we view him as that person, we pull it off. And I know it have an issue. Some people view him as 
some people can't view him as being attractive because he's you know, the nerdy black guy. It's kind of what you pictured him as. But knowing them and how, I think last year at the BAFTAs, Phoebe spoke about, um, not Phoebe, Donald spoke about how their works as far as Bleabag and Atlanta kind of have similarities in a way and how they developed a friendship about that. I do feel like their styles will mesh really well with this. And I don't see it being a really serious like spy thing. I see it being a more realistic comedy kind of thing, which works more for them. Like I'm not seeing, oh, they're gonna make it like they're gonna use they're gonna turn Phoebe into Agilene. That's that's not happening at all. You know, and I think they're aware of that. So I kind of tempered my expectations yeah. with that. Maybe not. Um also with Donald Glover um, he's doing a couple of projects on Amazon, and Malia Obama is rooted to work on the series. That to me is insane. Like, I actually, when I had when I saw that in the news, I had to read it again because I was like, Malia Obama. And then I just remembered that she did work for the Weinstein Company. Yeah, I will forgive her of that. But her fault. She was just trying to get an internship out yeah. here. I, I understand. I get it. I get it. Yeah, I get it. But um, that's dope. Like that's really cool. I know. I don't like. I get it. And look, they were talking about one of the projects. How one of his projects is like a Beyonce kind of styled celebrity thing called the Hive. And I understand why. Like, she's somebody you'd want in that position, riding on that show, because out of any other person in the world, other than, like, Donald and his brother, like, because his brother gets to see what Donald experienced being, following him around, being a celebrity. Donald knows what it's like being a celebrity. She has that experience, too, knowing my dad was a former president, and I'm one of the most famous teenagers in the world. I still got secrets that follow me every day. Like, for projects like that, I think having her, like knowledge and understanding of how crazy people can be it makes sense yeah. and it's not like it's not like it wasn't earned okay we understand some nepotism is at play you know mama who she is getting her first internship with the yc group that doesn't happen everybody but right to normal to normal people <laughs> you can't deny that her personal experience will help aid that project in the writer's room which is what you want when working on this kind of project the best writers yeah. write from personal experience so I'm happy for her. Okay. Yeah, me too. Okay. Um, in other news, um, this is Russell Westbrook. He is executive producing a documentary on his history channel um, called The Tesla Burning, The 1921 Race Massacre. Oh, it's a documentary. Yeah. And he's a basketball player, yeah? I don't know sports, but like I know that he's that. Right? <laughs> he's a basketball player. <laughs> he's a basketball player. I do know that. <laughs> Maybe you can speak to this too. I mean, I'm I'm happy at the idea. Like I understand Westbrook's connection with that story. Him spending as long as he did in Oklahoma playing in the NBA. Um, mm-hmm. so I understand why that impetus that inspiration would happen. And also, I'm happy that the Tulsa, um, the Tulsa massacre, that whole experience has been, um, how should I say, the story of Black Wall Street has been 
put into the limelight with the um thing with the Watchmen series. Thanks to that, it's being pushed more because a lot of people are like, oh, that really happened. Yes, that really happened. Like white people like destroyed a whole black town over a single issue mm-hmm. because you know they were being racist. And at the time, that neighborhood in Tulsa, the Greenwood District, was one of the wealthiest communities in the United States. You had black business owners, black ballers. And um, it's one of those things where if we look at other communities, like me personally, I don't, how, how should I phrase this about being okay, okay, every other community, let's be honest, every other community kind of keeps their cash within their community and it circulates. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We as black people have a hard time doing that. Um, and I think that plays back to what happened to this city right there because that money, black black dollars helped, you know, state and community. Oh, you're a black person who works at this group at this um doctor's office. You're gonna go to the black grocery store and buy your groceries. That black grocery store owner is gonna pay pay his people. Those people are gonna go buy goods and services to other black old business, and everybody accumulated wealth in that circle. And I think this story is one of those reasons why that kind of doesn't happen black community anyway or anymore mm. because of that fear. I think a lot of the negative things that we do, I don't mean to sound preachy. I don't think, I think a lot of the negative things we do as a community or the things we don't do is a reaction because of the, the times we've tried it and we've got mistreated for it and we're afraid for the mistreatment to happen again. But that's a non sequitur. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm happy that Russell's bringing this story into fruition. Um, hopefully, you know, it does well. Hopefully the research, mm-hmm. you know, everybody everybody involved with it does their part and makes it an amazing and thought-provoking. And it becomes a conversation starter with this series. So... It's not something... And honestly, it's not something I expected from Russell Westbrook, if I'm being honest. So I'm really proud of that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is he like an activist on the side, or like, what's his deal? I don't know. Yeah. He's one of those guys who's like stays quiet what he's doing in the community. So I don't blame him. You know, that's cool. Yeah, I like yeah. You don't have to be oddly vocal. Like, but the fact that he's doing this is pretty dope. Okay, so there is like a huge thing that I guess needs to be talked about. There was another story in here about Justice League. I don't know if you want to go ahead and do that or save that until the end. Yeah, you can, you can go um, ahead. Yeah, so the Golden Globes. Lord Jesus, every year they got something going on. The Golden Globes is that girl who just loves to start drama and who is just drama. Like, that's who the Golden Globes is. Like, messy. The girl just drama. Like, just messy. Because the member, the people who who nominate people for the Golden Globes, which is the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which is ugh, um, they're a group of people. There aren't any black people in that group, or people of color. If I'm, if I read that right, so these small group of people get special favors to do things like um, they'll, you know, get invited to go to these certain certain or go um, to premieres and stuff like that and they get all the special treatment so that 
when that when it comes time for voting, that those shows can get nominated for stuff, which is what happened with Emily in Paris. They invited members of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association to come out to Paris to watch them film. Um, and guess who has a nomination <laughs> for what best comedy or some crap like that? Uh, Emily in Paris, as well as their main actress, uh, my girl Lily. So, and guess who didn't get a nomination? I may destroy you, and Michaela. So I think um, Hollywood has always been corrupt, if we're being honest. But we're living in an age where people are like, they don't care. If you get mad, they're going to tell the story anyways. And that's kind of what happened here. A couple of people who were not, who were shut out of that group um, because they were being, they weren't being inclusive enough, reported to these different um, publications and was like, hey, there's some messy stuff going on with the, with the or however you, whatever, however Hollywood Farm Press Association. <laughs> that the acronym is so weird. <laughs> no, but there's an, it's an acronym. Whatever. Um, <laughs> shut up. No, I got you. Um, Words. Yeah. So I don't. I just. I feel like I'm wondering what they're gonna do now because now we all know their business, and. I don't know if they come out with a statement saying anything. I'm pretty sure they didn't. Because, like, you don't know who the people are. Like, they're, like, journalists. Like, the article stated that a lot of them aren't really journalists per se. When, okay, and when I say journalists, they're, like, okay, so, like, me and you, we're kind of still starting out in this whole Hollywood journalism podcast kind of thing, right? It's like saying me and you got put on to the, we joined the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. But then you have other people who established careers writing for like Vulture, Deadline. They get they get nixed, and a lot of them in the Foreign Hollywood Press Association, they kind of block a lot of people with legitimate credentials out of fear because they realize they do get a lot of kickbacks and stuff. And like the Foreign Press Association is supposed to be nonprofit, but it's clear from the article that they do receive a lot of donations. Like you mentioned, them going out to Paris. To watch filming of it and being put up with a thousand dollar a night hotel and going to an old French museum and stuff like that, like a lot of people on there are like guys like they said one of the guys is like an actor who acts in like low budget movies and stuff like that, not of any real acclaim whatsoever, and one of them another person is a socialite like Paris Hilton, with movies and cinema aren't her. Thing, but you know, she's gonna use whatever you know way she can because of her status of being a voting member of a Golden Globe to get what she wants. And I feel like it's really disrespectful. Oh, considering the fact that even the writers for the show, you know, mm-hmm. the show itself is a ch- tongue in cheek thing. Like it's not to be taken seriously. It's more of a critique on Americans' ignorance outside, like. Mm-hmm. They have her like, like they even talk about her being in Paris, constantly making safe, and they went out of their way on purpose not to show a culturally diverse Paris on purpose to showcase that whole American ignorance. And they like even the writers for Emily in Paris were distraught when I made a show you didn't got snubbed. Mm-hmm. So it's clear that everybody is aware it's something going on, and it was funny. Cause I know yeah. me and you mentioned that um. The Golden Globes, not the Golden Globes, but was the Golden Globes? I think I said it. 
the Golden Globes might have been more of a more even yields one, and now we see that's not true. Especially this year, we see it's no, not true. You were talking about. I think I was talking about SAG. I think I was talking about SAG. SAG, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, SAG is more the even one because the actors get Well, SAG is actually, you get voted by your peers. Your peers, yes. So everyone who else that you work in the industry nominates you. So that's why it's more fair than any of the other. Yeah, and that's the issue with this Golden Globes. Like, it's become revealed, like, a lot of people voting have no real connection to Hollywood. They're just in it for the perks. Especially when they're saying, like, I think people are supposed to represent certain regions or certain countries. Like, we had a guy representing Argentina, then he died. Then one lady who was from India is representing, like, Singapore. And then another person is representing Cuba, United States, and then, like, another country when he's not from any of those places. It's... Takes out the authenticity and value of this war. Like if I if I see that I'm not if this article comes out and I see I'm nominated for a Golden Globe or I won one, knowing what I know now, I'm probably gonna sit at that award and like do it. Did I really deserve that award? Or was it some behind the scenes foolishness by the the crew, not the crew, the producers of the film flying Paris Hilton out and Paris Hilton's like, oh, I like that trip. I'm gonna vote for them. You know, I'm I question I'm gonna question my craft as like a creative, not just like a as an actor, but as a writer, as a director, I'm going to question that its entirety. Like, did I really earn this on merit, you know? Yeah. Well, I think a number of things. One of them being that the Golden Globes has always been known as kind of a joke. Even yeah. Ricky DeRays, who hosted it, would make fun of it as he was hosting the award show, which I was like, why do you guys invite him back? But whatever. <laughs> That's not my business. Um, it's always been known as, like, that the silly award show that you just go to get drunk with or drunk at with your friends. Like it's not, we don't care. Um, however, they've been trying to change that image and make it a little bit more serious in the lot in the last couple of years. But I think the idea that it's a joke doesn't make any sense because that award show is really like the tell, like it really predicts what's going to happen at the Oscars. It that's it sets a precedent and a pattern for what's going to happen for the rest of the award season. So it is kind of important. Yeah. And if you, and as we've seen with like the weekend and the Grammys and the whole other mess is like, we can pretend like these things don't have credit. However, it does matter to the people who are working on these movies and who are involved in the process, who are actors. It means something to their career because other people are like, oh, okay, I didn't know about this movie, but I saw that it was nominated for this. So I might check it out. And then that helps studios and that helped everybody else. And it, so it does matter. Yeah. And I feel like because it does matter, then what whoever's voting for these things, one needs to see everything that's out there. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Like, how can you vote for something that you literally have never seen? You don't like what? Anyways, but also that the group that the voting group needs to be diverse. Like how you there's some things that you're just not gonna know about unless someone else comes from a different place and says, yo, check this out. This is actually really good. Like I think at this stage, this let's just have a little boys club or let's just have our little white people club. Just it, like we need to stop that. It doesn't make any sense anymore. Like that's not how the world looks. Y'all need to get it together. All of this crap about getting put up in hotels and getting special rewards for being a part of this group is stupid. Like y'all are not that important. <laughs> 
so and it's just it's just ridiculous. It's weird because it's also people who like work for the Television Critics Association. One of the people who who spoke in the article is like, I'm mad qualified for this. They don't want to get me. And you have people who are the credentials for other voting institutions that you're like, no, I'm not going to do it. Like, mm-hmm. it's absurd. It's like a little, it's not even, I couldn't even say it's a little boys group because based on the article, it's a diverse group outside of minority people. And a lot of them are also older people. So I kind of feel mm-hmm. like it's this, I want to say old boys club, but it's this old person's club in a way. Like, I have my status. Like, one of the voting people, they said one of, in the article, one of the voting people is, like, deaf and blind. What movies are you watching as a deaf and blind 80-year-old woman? Why, why, why do you have voting credentials why are you there? in a movie? That's, yeah. like, what? That's, like, they vote, it's like voting me for the NBA All-Star game. I should not be there. Like, like, it's like it doesn't make it any doesn't sense. Make it. Uh, like it never did. It so. never did. It never. But what did. do we expect? I mean, that's Hollywood being full of themselves. I'm just hoping now that they've been called out. Yeah, they make some changes because yeah. apparently that's the only way things work in that in that circle. It's like you got to be called out for it in order for anything to start changing. And I'm just like, but why did it take this though? But y'all are so full of yourselves. I don't even. I can't. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. But yeah. How's my So Oh uh, Yes. Oh, ladies first, go ahead. Oh, one quick thing. Um apparently A twenty four is financing and producing Ari Aster's music. What's it called? <laughs> Hollywood no, sorry, Disappointment Boulevard. With Joaquin Phoenix. Ari Aster got Joaquin Phoenix to be in one of his movies. I mean, I just, I can't even hate on it. Like, that's, that's some boss, that's some boss moves right there. I feel like Joaquin is one of those, one of those actors who's willing to work with a diverse group of directors. And I think that's, that's his talent. No, I'm lying. I'm lying. What? (laughs) I was like, I haven't seen him work with, like, any like indie directors in a while but then i literally just watched one of his movies that was with like an indie director it came out like a year ago or two yeah so he's, i don't know what i'm saying he's one of those guys who's like i'm not do the, gonna do the run of the mill like stick with one director for my whole career i'm gonna work with a diverse group of people and it shows in his work where he's willing to play a very sprawl direction and diverse group of people so If you you can go ahead with the um Justice League stuff, or do you want me to? Well, basically, they were just talking about Zack Snyder's life, and that's it. So, and I'm like, okay. So we all know that you know Zack Snyder. There was a lot of issues between him and Warner Brothers with you know. Justice League and Batman and Superman and Marvel and blah blah and all this has come to light more with the whole Josh Whedon stuff. Um, this is going to be a, probably an ongoing thing. More stuff with those issues. Like I think I I said it. Like someone's going to have to take a fall for Warner Brothers with all this Josh Whedon stuff. 
and lo and behold, this article comes out, and the guy like says they um when they saw the first screening of it, they didn't really like the movie. And these were the people from Warner Bros. who pushed for Zack to be removed after his daughter died. They brought somebody in to marvelify the movie, and then he marvelifies the movie, and then y'all don't like it. So y'all get what y'all deserve at this moment. I feel no sympathy for those executives. You know, I feel like you pushed for it. You inflated a budget with reshoots and him redoing the movie and paying another director. And, and then you realize it was shit. And you still put it out. That's your fault. I think anybody involved in that <laughs> decision creatively should be fired and never work at Hollywood again. And they have no right to complain about it. Um, but yeah, that's all I can say on it. Because if I, I'm, this topic is really unprofessional from top to bottom on Warner Brothers and Josh Whedon's side. So. Warner Brothers is also that girl. She messy. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, what did we watch? Wait, was that all the news? Um. Let's want to talk about this documentary that's currently airing on HBO. Yes. So, in the what we watch segment, I watch yeah. um Allen versus Pharaoh, mm-hmm. which is about Woody Allen and that whole allegation. Or allegations about him sexually abusing his daughter, um, Dylan Farrow. And it's about his relationship with Mia Farrow, who was not, am I mistaken in saying she was in Rosemary's Baby, or is that not her? Is that not her? I'm not sure. I feel like that was her. She was a big, she's a big actress, so she was a Yeah. Yeah. Mia Farrow would were you in Rosemary? But so yeah, the story I guess. Was she? <laughs> I need to know. Wait. <laughs> was she? Uh. She was. She was in Rosemary's Baby. Okay, yeah. Um, and they're be- and the documentary is a four-part series. The first part kind of sets the tone of what's gonna happen. Talks about her and Woody's relationship, which was very unconventional and weird. And from their relationship alone, I can already tell that he did it. But anyway, um. She had seven kids. A lot of them were adopted from other countries. And if you know the story of Woody Allen, he married his, not his daughter, because she was not his child, but he married his girlfriend's adopted child to me. And he's still married to me today. Um, yeah, I'm not going to get into it, but you go ahead. Um, this is a lot process. Um, I think it goes, it goes more in depth because it's, it's, it goes beyond the usual. Um, how should I say this? Beyond the usual tabloid celebrity gossip kind of thing. Um, yeah. And this, this. I didn't know how to feel like Woody Allen. I'm gonna be honest; he was at a time one of my favorite directors. Um, I like his his writing and directing style. Um, but as I got older, you kind of have to move away from the mindset of 
separating the art from the artist because at the end of the day, what he does influences his art. So you kind of, you can't ignore one half and accept the other half. It comes to a point where you have to acknowledge their bullshit is a part of the, them as a person and a part of the art. So, yeah, this, and it, I don't know how to feel about this because this, this the, the project does also have actual home videos, testimonies from like family, friends, and and they're going into depth about his creepiness with their, with I think Dylan Farrow, their daughter, I think who was like seven at the time. Um, and how babysitters notice stuff, how he's always paying attention to her. And at one point, she talks about how she found nude pictures of one of their children, and she took it to his therapist. Therapist was like, "I don't, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this," which I feel like is a cop out on the therapist's part because. And I understand your client is a celebrity, famous director, but at the end of the day, child pornography is involved. A child's life is in danger. Have some kind of responsibility instead of trying to hand wave it. So you can't morally contextualize child's new phone. Well, what what happened was is that um, he was paying he was paying a lot of. I don't want to give the whole thing away because I do want people to watch it, but I yeah. feel like people will already see it. Yeah. But what happened was is that Mia and Woody were never married. They were just together. Yeah. But he said that he didn't he didn't care about kids. He didn't he wasn't interested in children. But he yet he was still involved in her kids' lives. And she said she wanted a baby. And he said, You could do that by yourself. I don't care. Like I'll basically he was like, I'll be the sperm donor, but I'm not taking care of the baby. And then they had Dylan. Well, no, she adopted Dylan. They had a separate child together, but they had, she adopted Dylan and he was extremely close with her, but in a way that it's not like a fatherly, like affectionate type of love. It's like a, why are you always separating this child away from all the other children and paying specific close um, time with this child? Um, It got really disturbing and weird, but I'll, I'll just say that he they at a certain point Dylan got a little bit older and something had happened with her um in Woody and she told a therapist or she told the doctor that oh um I was touched in a place that you know was supposed to be touched and Mia Maya Mia whatever her um she told therapist she was like what do you need to see a therapist because your behavior is strange and he went to see the therapist and the therapist said no he's not Strange, he just doesn't know how to act around kids because he's not used to being around kids. Um, but then later, she went into his apartment and found nude photos of Sunyi, the girl, the the child that he ended up marrying. Yeah. So, and she was like about, I don't know, 1920 at the time. So technically she was legal, but I don't, like what that, you literally raised that kid. Like what the hell are you doing? But I, the thing that really pisses me off about this story is that this happened in like 1992 and he went on to work for years. Work that was celebrated, nominated for Oscars, won Oscars. Um, Like everyone was just like, okay with the fact that this happened. And there was no accountability. There was no responsibility. He didn't get charged for anything. He continues to deny to this day that anything even happened. And 
And then he tried to come for my boy, Timothy Chalamet. Oh my goodness. I was like, you say one more thing about my dude, like I'm about to find you in New York, like let's square. <laughs> because <laughs> Timothy did a movie with Selena Gomez, a Woody Allen movie called A Day in the Rain that never really came out because it came out in the midst of the whole Me Too situation. Yeah. And his son, Woody Allen's son, Rowan, Ronan Farrow, broke the Harvey Weinstein. He was like the main journalist. On it. And then at the same time, his sister, Dylan, came out with her allegations again, because she came out with it in 2014, but no one cared. And then in 2018, she came out with it again. And Timothy like donated all, the, all of his salary from that movie to charities that supported women like, who were victims of sexual assault. And kind of try to, you know, distance himself completely from that. And Woody Allen wrote in his book that he was like, oh, the only reason he was trying to do that because he was trying to win an Oscar. And he just thought that. I was like, you need to shut up because what you're doing is creepy and you know it's wrong. And that's why you're upset. Don't try to come out with people who are just trying to do their career, trying to be decent human beings. Not like your creepy self. Like, let's not try to place blame on other people. Let's not pull a Ted Cruz right now. Like, let's just straight, be straight up. Like, you know that you were in some, you were in some stuff, and nobody wanted to be associated with you because of your grossness. Like, let's just be. So, I don't even know what the rest of this docu series is about to be about. All I know is that I, I know he did it. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is, I know he did it. And and that's the thing. Like, because and you hit on perfect. Okay, this happened. This stuff happened in '92, and so the born before that and then watching movies not really aware of those social ongoings like the last woody allen movie i say i I watched was midnight in paris that was 2011 and then when i became aware of his misdeeds i was like oh yeah it's a wrap i ain't gonna i'm not gonna deal with this person i think once that stuff becomes like knowledgeable should it should have been like cut off? Like there was no reason with that going on. That I should have been finding out about Woody Allen pictures until 2011 and still watching it from '92. Uh, Manhattan Murder Mystery should have been his last project, and that should have been it. Period. Him and also um, was Roman Polanski. Like those two should have had no mm. more projects after their after these things came out. You know. But you can tell that's that's the society that was. They tried to blame everything that happened on his on Mia Farrow and how she's a foreign woman or something like that. She like forced her kids to say all these lies and stuff because back in the nineties, I guess it was extremely misogynistic. No one cared about what the women's experience was or even gave them a chance to like have their day to even explain it. All of it was just shoved right under the rug because they were important because they were geniuses because they made good stuff and people just was like whatever like because i was even because i had the last movie i watched of his was to run with love and that wasn't even good but i watched it and (laughs) and i was vaguely aware that there was some controversy that he married somebody but i didn't even know all the facts and the fact that no one even like explained it they were just like this is a new Woody Allen movie. Like he's not poor. He's amazing. You need to watch it. Yeah. Like the, the explanation. Even Greta Gerwig. Looking at you, Greta. <laughs> the explanation. Like, like everyone knew. That's the thing. Like knew, everyone they knew. basically knew. They knew. And they'd always have weird explanations. Like, oh, he married his daughter, but she was adopted. So it's not really, it's, it's not 
It's not weird. She's a dog. It's not really his biological arm. And you go, okay, I guess that makes sense. And then you leave it at that. And then you have to find out about everything else afterwards. And then you're like, yo, really? Come on. So. So. I just hope they lock him up by the end of this. I know he already old. I don't care. <laughs> I mean. He did it. I, know. I don't see I know he did more that we don't even know about. Like, he has an honor with, like. I think he got a Masters series from PBS, American Masters. He has another movie coming out, supposedly. It was supposed to come out last year was what? Kifkin's Festival. Um, and it was released in Spain only. So it looks like now that Post Me Too and more of that Hollywood backlash is coming out, he's probably going to pull a Polanski and do cinema and stuff. Outside of the U.S., so this, yeah, because who? Because you know those people—they don't stop doing it, especially they if they don't. don't get any charges for it. They're gonna keep doing whatever. Who else? Who knows how much? Who else he's been messing with all of these years? Yeah, like let's be real now. Like he's probably still out here doing whatever predatory behavior that he's been doing since back in the day. So uh, this world is so screwy anyway. What did you watch? Yeah, um yeah, Miss Juneteenth. It came out um January, I wanna say twenty sixth of last year. It kinda got swept underneath the rug because I guess it was also early stages of COVID. So Nothing really came out about it, but um, it stars Nicole Breyer from you know Sleepy Hollow fame and from um episode of Black Mirror, uh, Striking Vipers, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's basically the movie comes down to a parent um trying to force those you now parents some parents live vicariously to their kids. It's kind of one of those movies, but in this case, she's trying to make her daughter a better version of herself because, hence the title of the movie, Miss Juneteenth. Um, in Texas, they do have a Miss Juneteenth pageant, and the mother is a previous winner, but her life doesn't go the direction of pageant winners. Um, I guess she goes to college, gets pregnant, ends up stripping, and the whole town knows. Kind of, you know, it's not a good story, but she's not living the kind of status that her fellow other pageant winners are, and she sees her whole focus in the movie is having her daughter be a perfected version of her, and when, like, she, her daughter wears the same dress, recites the same, same poem and stuff like that, um, and early throughout the movie, all her daughter really wants to do is, like, be a dancer, like a dancing doll. She's like, I want to go to college and do dancing, and she's like, no, you're going to Spellman great things there like it's one of those movies where it mostly focuses on it kind of the movie more so shows the mother's interactions with everybody whether the daughter's um daughter's father or her mother who lives this holier than thou lifestyle but she's secretly a drunkard like she scams them into coming to church for prayer and it's like a whole um anointing service and they're, they're sprinkling water on them the whole time and her mother calls her on her BSing, but you're an alcoholic, and she gets slapped. So it's a lot of stuff that kind of, like every other issue, 
got showcased perfectly, except the core component of that mother trying to force her daughter to be like her. Like, you see it, but it's not executed like, correctly, in a way. It's kind of awkwardly done. Um, Nicole, of course, does an amazing job in this movie. Like, she's one of those actresses who she says a lot in her face when she expresses. Like, she could say nothing. She could just look and give an emotion. And everything the character wants to say in that moment is executed perfectly to the I think she's one of the few actresses in Hollywood who have that scale down pat. Um, but yeah, if, if you're into the kind of, uh, like Juneteenth kind of stuff. I was not aware of Juneteenth for a long time, um, but it's it's one of those movies. I would say I would recommend watching it. Um, it could have been better, me personally, but but yeah, the premise is a good premise though. But yeah. So what did it have to say about race? Okay. It didn't have to say much about race. It more so was about um. How should it? So it wasn't much wasn't said about race. It was more so the primary focus was again the mother and the daughter and the daughter, the mother's um how should I say it? Perception, people's possession her around the town. Um there are people in the movie do that do help her. I think the movie is more so focused on like helping people. Like the bar she works at, she ends up becoming the owner at the end of the movie. Um it's more the focus of the movie is more communal in a way in certain sections so if you want to if you're interested in that kind of thing i'll say it's for you if your focus is on the historical miss juneteenth part it's going to be hit or miss but yeah a, a couple tweaks in the execution of the movie could have been better but the acting in it the acting is the main amazing part of that movie. yeah <laughs> but yeah no um wow we've talked for almost an hour almost wow okay well that's it yeah <laughs> that's it that's well, it that's all we gotta say it was, it was um, a packed day it was a lot of stuff going but um next week is our special golden globes episode mm, i'm not looking forward to it anymore it's been around the pop I'm not. Me either. Especially how they have it set up. We're not even going to see anybody on stage. Like, I don't even care. Like, the news of how... I I wasn't going to watch it anyways. No. But now I'm really not going to watch it. (laughs) I'm not even going to pay attention. I'm just going to see the results online. Knowing how the voting worked and who's involved with it. Like, legitimately not uncredentialed. I'm going to say uncredentialed. Uncredentialed people voting. I'm not interested in it at all like it's 87 yeah, people care. like 87 people are voting for this thing and they they don't care like oh since they don't care i don't I care don't either care. So. i don't care <laughs> whatever we'll be reviewing it though but yes that's what's happening because because <laughs> sadly it is you know an oscar predictor so yeah. it's a word and most likely those Oscar votes have already been put in already. We'll see. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Anyway. Bye, girl. Au revoir. <laughs>